Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Ride. This is Nicole. And this is Michaela. And we're back. You, we might sound a little different because we are social distancing with COVID-19 going on in the United States. Uh, our state has asked that we do a shelter at home or stay at home order. So we are working remotely, um, but we try to work in the studio as much as possible. But right now things are a little different. So bear with us as we deal with, you know, different quality microphones and and all that fun stuff that comes with working remote. Anyway, um, we have a really exciting episode lined up. Michaela got to go to Texas earlier this year. She was actually in the semifinals of the American Rodeo. And she also, while she was down there, because you were there for like how many weeks? Three? Uh, I think I ended up being down there for two weeks, but still a lot of time on my hands. Yeah. So we thought that Michaela would get really bored just, you know, riding her horse every day in Texas where it was nice and warm because mind you, this was in February when it was cold in Colorado. We were getting a crazy amount of snow for Colorado, uh, the front range anyway. But uh, uh, Michaela got to go over to a professional barrel racer's house, Molly Powell, and she got to hang out with her. And Michaela is a barrel racer herself. So this was like a kid in the candy shop getting to work with Molly all day, do an interview with her for the podcast. You got some content for the magazine and the, the website and you talked bits, tack, I mean, all of it. And was it everything that you hoped that came with this job when it comes to like meeting some of the guys, like some of the trainers that you've looked up to your whole life? Oh my gosh. Yes. I pulled in the driveway and off to my right hand side, I was able to see one of Molly's old NFR horses, which is actually one of the horses that we talk about in this interview. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that's so awesome. And then just being able to work with her and learn from her and then to be able to share it with our audience was absolutely amazing. I think even in this interview, I laugh and I say that I am the ultimate fangirl while I just knocked on her door and she let me in her house. And I was like, this cannot be real life. Molly Powell did not just let me into her house like this. But yeah, it was so much fun. And it just everything that I thought this job would be and so much more. Yeah, the, um, you know, I've I've been doing this for a little bit now. So meeting all these different professionals is, is part of the job. And it's a really cool part of the job. But I remember the first time that I got to go out on my own shoot. Uh, we weren't doing a podcast at the time. So I didn't do that. But I did other things, um, mostly for the magazine. And uh, yeah, it's, it's really cool to know that like these guys want to work with you and like, yeah, it's a fangirl moment for sure. But, um, so you'll hear that interview today, but let's get to some current events first. Yeah, for sure. So like we've been talking about, we've mentioned these virtual horse shows and one of the funny things from Charlie Cole's virtual horse show was they posted a bunch of bloopers and I loved watching that. Of course, I didn't get to share my bloopers. I'm a barrel racer, so I don't know if the barrel racing submissions were allowed or not. But either way, I just uh, watched the videos and they were hilarious. And it was fun to let everybody laugh at themselves. And I noticed one girl even had a framed photo of her blooper in her house and cracked me up but so that is ever changing and so much fun to continue to watch and be involved with I know that 
just as a person on Facebook, I'm having so much fun watching the virtual horse show. And you say the the bloopers. I was dying over those. And uh, they had it was actually like a a contest. And I, I'm pretty sure the winners got prizes, but they also had they had an open division. And I think Charlie Cole, uh, who is the creator of this particular Facebook group, he was the one that first shared his blooper. And it was it was a horse at the World Show many years ago. And he was in the Western Riding, which is a class that Charlie Cole has won numerous times and is very familiar with and, and very recognized in. And his horse went to tr- jog over the pole and it leaped over it. Um, so he's the first one that shared his blooper and encouraged other open people, open uh, professionals to share their bloopers. And then um, they opened it up to non-pros for their own blooper division. And yes, they are absolutely hilarious. Um, and I think I did see a couple barrel racers in there. I want to say that Pete Owen maybe... Oh, well, maybe I should have threw my hat in the bucket because I have a few of my own blooper moments that are quite hilarious. I guess some of them maybe have a story to go with them that make them even funnier. But I know the non-pro winner was absolutely hilarious. She was loping her horse bareback and she went to do a hair flip and ended up just sliding off of her horse. It was so funny. So if you guys haven't seen that, go track it down in the Facebook group because it's funny. Yeah, it's definitely a good time killer if you are like me, who I am sitting on the couch at the end of the day, just bored out of my mind. I've probably binge watched everything I possibly could on Netflix. And um, so this has been a new form of entertainment. And I wish that I had my favorite blooper on video, but I don't. I just remember it very, very, very clearly in my head. Well, now that you've mentioned it, I know that I'm curious, so I feel like our audience is going to be curious. So why don't you just go ahead and share your blooper? I know it's not a current event, but it's something that we can all laugh about. It is funny. I was going into a Western riding class with my horse who was, I think he was like four or five. He was very much a junior horse. I had him in a snapple bit. Like this was the first time we were going into a Western riding class and it was just kind of to, to feel him out and see how he, how he was reacting to being in the show pen and doing that many lead changes in a row and all that fun stuff. And this was at the Tulsa fairgrounds and we were in the main arena and I don't know if you've ever been to the Tulsa fairgrounds, but um, on the far end of the arena, there is a concession stand and they happen to be putting up some kind of sign over by the concession stand. And my horse had a very big fear of plastic bags and trash bags and It was something that we could just never get him over. Well, we were going down the line in Western Riding and right in front of him, they were flapping that sign and he stood up on his hind legs, head in the air, did a 180 and just bolted to the out gate. And I was like, what is happening? Because everything was like fine. We were going great. Our lead changes were smooth. And and my horse just like was like, nope, I'm out. So I gathered him up. Turned him back around, got him on the correct lead, and then I finished my pattern, and the judges were laughing. And um, I think one of them might have even said that they were really impressed with my ability to stay on and stay, like, in a good frame of mind after all of that happened. So I was like, well, maybe something good came out of that. Like, yeah, I I, I was last place, but um, the judge said that I did good. <laughs> well, I mean, a compliment is a compliment, no matter, you know, whether you're the winner of the class or the loser. So... That's yeah. pretty funny. <laughs> I'm very close with my, 
my horse trainer or um, Wes Weatherall, who we've actually had in the magazine, but he's like a dad to me. And um, he was laughing at me the entire time in the arena. And they were all like saying like, you know, you go cowgirl and all that stuff. And it was a very entertaining Western riding class, needless to say. Yeah, I feel like if you can't laugh at yourself every once in a while, then you need to take a step back because sometimes those funny moments just happen and you can't be mad at them. You just have to laugh it off. It was pretty hilarious. And I definitely credit my, I I love to mess around on my horses. Like I am very much a competitive showman. And when it comes to being in the show ring, like I am as serious as it gets. It doesn't matter if it's a weekend show or if it's the world show, like it is very serious for me. But when I'm not in the show pen, I love to screw around with my horses and ride them bareback in the pasture and just mess around. And I definitely credit my riding bareback and messing around as to why I have such good balance. <laughs> I can agree with that. I also mess around on my horses and ride bareback all the time. And there have been a few moments where I'm like, wow, had I not been so great with my balance and just messing around, I probably would have came off and had to laugh at myself from the ground. Yeah. So it was pretty funny, but, um, I don't have that blooper on video. So y'all are just going to have to, uh, picture it in your head. Um, but you should go to the virtual horse show and watch their bloopers because they are hilarious. The other thing that I really, really like about this, and I know I kind of brought it up in the last episode, but I noticed even more that they're just having so much fun with it like they had like a walk trot class for little kids and there was a little girl riding one of those um it's it's like a toy horse that she can sit on and like she moves her body and it moves you know what I mean oh my gosh that's Um, adorable (laughs) and so she did the walk trot pattern like that and I think she won a prize or something and um but people are just having so much fun with it and it makes me so happy because this is a really stressful time for a lot of people myself included uh, Michaela included you know we're all going through a lot of stuff and um, dealing with something that we've never had to deal with in our lifetime. And I think it's just, it's really fun and it's a great way for people to stay positive and happy in the horse community. I know APHA is now doing um, their own online virtual horse shows uh, and you have an enter, you enter classes and then they have APHA judges judge you and so I think it's really expanded. I also ran into a lot of trainers are doing virtual clinics or they're doing, you know, where you send in a video and then they critique you and let you know like what you should be working on at home. So it's every week. It seems like it's expanding. It went from like one Facebook group that's doing a virtual horse show to like all of these different platforms that are trying to get the horse audience, like just to keep riding. Yeah, and I think that's the main thing for all of us to keep doing. If we can, keep riding. And if you can't ride, find some way to, you know, stay active in the horse industry, whether that's on Facebook, watching other people compete in these virtual shows, whether it's just following your Facebook friends and watching them post photos of their horses. You know, horses are our outlet. And I think now more than ever, we need them and we need to just be horse lovers and take that and, you know, use that to make ourselves happy. Yeah. And like, you know, we've, we've been doing daily tips and stuff like that. And I know a lot of people have said like, well, I don't have my horse at home. It's not fair. I'm in the same boat. I get it. I don't have a horse at home. I haven't ridden in months. You're talking to somebody who literally 
would ride horses 10 hours a day and go to horse shows every weekend. And I homeschooled because I was on the road showing and horses are my life, but I am at a point right now that I'm not riding because my barn is closed. The horses I ride, they're not open, you know, they're not open to the public because their families have, uh, you know, pre-existing health conditions that can put them at risk. So I get it. I'm, I'm with you. I know it's not fun to see daily tips that involve the horse stuff, but we're also making daily tips for people who are like myself, stuck at home, trying to be involved in the horse industry any way I can outside of work. And so hopefully that brings you a little happiness during all of this. Yeah. And if you aren't sure where to access our daily tips, you can find them on our website, but you can also sign up to receive our daily newsletter Uh, Our weekly newsletter has now changed to daily because we want to bring you guys as much happiness and horse-related content that we possibly can. And then also, along with that, I know that you guys love the Ride Podcast, so we've decided to do audio lessons on the weeks that we don't release the regular episode of the Ride. I know that we have already done a Brad episode working with leaning while you ride and that one our audience seemed to really like that Nicole so you went ahead and did one with Bud that actually came out last week so if you guys really want to hear more of those or if you have other trainers that you'd like to hear from be sure to email us at horseandrider at aimmedia.com Yeah, you know, we're doing this podcast every other week right now is when it releases. So we are releasing uh, audio lessons on the weeks that we're not producing a podcast that's at full length like this. So let us know what you think. We we love to hear from you guys. We want to know more about what you're thinking of this podcast. Uh, You know, obviously, if you've been listening from the beginning, there's been some big changes with the layout and the format and um, you know, in addition to this, we're doing the audio lesson. So we really want to hear from you guys. Let us know if you're listening. Let us know if you like it. Let us know what you want to hear more of. Yeah. And, you know, right now our current events section isn't that strong because there's not a lot going on. So if you guys have any current events or anything that you want us to look into or talk more about, be sure to, like I said, email us, shoot us a message on Facebook, on Instagram. However you want to reach us, we want to know what you want us to talk about. And we are happy to look into it and talk about it. Yeah. Um, Another thing that's kind of going on current event wise for both Michaela and I is that we are ending our cycle for the summer issue of the magazine. And I think everybody's going to really like it. Uh, We've definitely had a little speed bumps our way with COVID-19 and trying to get a magazine out the door working remotely and and with everything that's going on in the world right now. But I'm really happy with the content that's going to be in it. I'm really happy. I think it's I think it's going to be great for people to look at. Hopefully, by the time that this comes to your mailbox, we're going back to our normal life and we are riding again and we are seeing our friends and family again. But if not, it'll be hopefully something that you guys can read at home and appreciate and be able to apply whenever you can ride. Well, going from here, I think that we have enough of our thoughts and current events. So let's jump into this interview with Molly. And like Nicole said, this was a previous interview, so this isn't with Nicole and myself. This is just myself with Molly. So it's pre-recorded, and we just wanted to share it with you guys so you guys could learn about Molly and about her horses and just a little bit more about the great horsemen and women that you love. 
Hi guys, today we are here with NFR qualifier Molly Powell and we wanted to talk a little bit about her NFR qualifying horse, Pecan. She's a special one and Molly, do you want to just dive into it and give us her story? Sure. Well, it's been a long time uh, since I ran her, so, uh, but I can still remember the feel of her. She's very, very consistent, just had that just smooth as glass style around the barrels and so the way she came to be was that my parents, um, my mom always ran barrel horses and trained them. And uh, when I came along, I got the, the good ones. But um, I guess, you know, I was pretty young when uh, Pecan, before Pecan come along, I was riding a thoroughbred core uh, horse cross mare and she did real good. Um, but I was probably like 10 years old, 12 years old, I'd say. And she just, uh, well, she was my only horse. And so I had the pony and my big horse and I, I wanted more horses to ride. So my parents had thoroughbred race horses that they had a thoroughbred stallion and they raised them. And so um, my dad got the idea that he should uh, breed the thoroughbred stallion to my pony, uh, Brownie, and um, cross him up and get me another horse to play with. So uh, we never dreamed that she would be more like a quarter horse. We thought, I guess, because the pony was a pony, we thought it would be a pony horse for me to mess around with and train and break. And so when we got her, I remember she was born um, more like a, definitely when we saw her, we were like, oh my gosh, she's a quarter horse looking bigger, a horse, not a pony. And, and she was real cute as a colt, but she grew up and she was really full of it, real high spirited. And of course I was too. So um, when we trained her, she just was good right off the bat. I remember when she was three years old, we took her and exhibitioned her, um, and she was as good as she ever was. She was just a great horse already. And we would joke that it was it was almost like she was reincarnated as the barrel horse. So anyway, um, I, I trained her the best you could when you're in your teens. You know, I didn't know a whole lot, but the horse, the horse and I had a lot of grit, I guess you'd say. And it just, it was just, a, you know, just a miracle, I guess you'd say that, we did as good as we did. We didn't know a lot. And, and what was crazy back then is we didn't have injections. We didn't have, we didn't have anything. We just pretty much were raw. So we uh, did the best we could to get her in shape and take care of her. And she was just a dirty, tough horse. I remember the more that we trained her or uh, I should say trained her, but the more we ran her um, when we were getting her trained, the better she got. And then when I started rodeoing on her, she just got a better like we'd run her maybe four times in a weekend and the fourth run was you know she started about a 17 three or four on a standard and by the last run we were running 17 o's or ones so she was really tough and i'm sure her uh, genetics had something to do with that but uh, she was just a a neat horse probably you know i'd say my once in a lifetime horse and it's good to have her yeah so you mentioned genetics and kind of going back i mean the standards of the barrel racing industry are so high today and to have a horse that's a pony cross or something like that is just totally unthinkable so what are your thoughts on that and kind of how she made it work yeah you know um i tried to breed her afterwards and uh, after i retired her and her colts like they had some of her in them but they didn't to me they weren't as good as she was um, I might've had different standards or different time in my life where I was looking at, you know, for something else. But, um, you know, I had heard of, uh, someone mentioned genetics can, genetics can line up to, to cross with a, or cross up to a hybrid vigor or uh, to get basically the very best of that the bloodlines could offer when the genetics come together. And it's kind of like when the stars line up and, and 
for me, that, that would prove today why papers on a horse and bloodlines do mean so much and why you should always keep your eyes open for the individual. And, and I think, you know, everyone knows what we're talking about. When you see a star, when, when you feel a superstar, you should give them a chance. Yeah. And so what really brought on the spark of the superstar with Pecan? And how did you know exactly when that moment was that you knew that she was a superstar? Uh, well, like I said, when she was three years old, she was just good. Um, she was just, she was just amazing. And, uh, it was just, sorry. I always get so emotional when I talk about her because I felt so lucky to ride her. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think why I get emotional is that it's, it's just so hard to get that chance. And um, when, you, when you get that chance and, you, and you're able to take it, it's just, you know, it's, it's awesome. And that's what it was. And uh, when she was four, she was good. We, uh, we held her back a little bit. We didn't push her um, just to, you know, give her a chance to mature. And uh, when she was five, she, uh, we started taking her to a couple of pro rodeos. I think, I think when she was five, maybe like the second rodeo I took her to was Pinoca, Alberta. And uh, we won second at that pro rodeo in the mud. And so I remember that was, I guess, the first big win that she had. So that was really exciting. And yeah. then from there, she made the NFR. Well, I took her to college when I was six, and we were in the top 20 in the world, but I really wanted to go to college. And so... I just held back. And uh, then the next year we were off and we, we won the college finals and uh, made the NFR when she was seven. And then uh, when she was eight, uh, she made the NFR in nine and 10. And then when she was 11, uh, she, uh, she got an infection in her foot and uh, she just, uh, she couldn't overcome it. it. It did a lot of damage. And so we retired her from there. So do I remember correctly, did she have a full brother that you also ran as well and he helped you qualify for the NFR? Yes, um, he was a special horse in his own right. He was he didn't come out as big as Pecan, so he, he did have a little more like throw to the pony side a little. He was, he was probably 14 too. And so a lot of people think Pecan was short or small and, and she, she was a little bit fine like a pony, but she wasn't uh, as small. She was probably 15 hands or he was 15 hands uh, tall. And, and so Bullet was a lot more like a pony. And so he was super fun to run because he was little and truly felt like you were running your favorite pony. And uh, so he was, um, because I was running Pecan all the time, he was my backup horse until he was about seven. Seven or eight, I, uh, I did use him at the NFR a couple of runs and he was kind of green. And if I remember right, he was a little bit sick, kind of kind of fever or something. So we didn't use him much that first year uh, that he was able to go. And then the next year, Pecan got the infection uh, from the injecting her coffin joint. And um, he pretty much made the NFR. Uh, I think it seemed like I was running another horse or two as well as him. But he was kind of the, you know, really came on and made it. And then he died. So he, he colicked and, and died in October before the NFR. So. Oh, wow. But at least you had Pecan to pick yes. back up. And it seems like she's... The super special yes, superstar she anyways. Was, she was, yes. So, and then, yeah, just a lot of good things come about after those two. But I would say that she really opened up the doors, doors for me to rodeo and stuff. 
Yeah. So do you still have pecan or? Yeah. She's out in the field right now. That's what I thought as I pulled in your driveway. I thought, is she the one standing out there in the pasture? And she has a donkey for a friend and she's just enjoying retirement and she's 32. So she's, she's getting older, but. Yeah. She looks like that special senior horse that our audience loves. I mean, we love senior horses, but especially Mm -hmm. super talented ones. I know myself being a barrel racer, pulling in your driveway alone is pretty cool. And then um, seeing Pecan out there in the pasture is another cool thing. I mean, just being here myself, I'm fangirling just a little bit. Um, So, yeah. Anyways, back to Pecan. Uh, Do you have any other special memories, you know, running her or anything after you retired her that you just kind of recall on and reminisce and think about often. I know it's hard to pick one special moment, but do you have a special moment with her? She taught me a lot. Uh, She taught me what it's like to ride a good horse and that you should be on a good horse. You know, a lot of people, they've tried really hard with horses that are average and, and they've done awfully well. But when you get on a really good horse, it's, it's the way to go. You know, it, that's, you know, I guess what I keep aiming for. And now I'm raising horses and stuff. And, you know, I keep looking for that horse that it's so easy for him uh, to do it. And that I would say, you know, with her, the special, just the ride, it was just such a good ride. So like, so easy. And so that's, that's what I really remembered. And, you know, um, as far as her runs, um, let's see, winning the college finals was, was awesome. It was just a dream come true. It really was. And uh, the first, the first, the first run at the NFR was, it was just what, what all, everything I had wanted when I was a kid. So that, that was awesome. Yeah, I know <laughs> being an aspiring barrel racer that I could only dream of being as accomplished as you are, that I know having that run alone is just special and having it on a special horse just I can only imagine and dream that that would be the highlight Mm -hmm. of your life and trying to accomplish that again on another horse that isn't quite up to her standards is gonna be a hard one to achieve but do you have anything that you think maybe would have the upcoming superstar like she is in your pasture or are you still trying to find that something um, well the other horses that I ran um at the finals they all had their special you know thing and and their talent was you know they had a lot of talent and uh, and it was just I guess everyone has something that makes them win and for pecan it was you know her athletic ability I would say um, because of how easy, so she didn't even have to put the effort. Um, and the other horses I ran, like at the NFR, they put so much effort into it, and and they were, you know, definitely light on their feet, and a lot of things that I look for in a good horse. Um, but I am trying to raise some horses, and, uh, you know, I don't go much, but if I ever felt one like her again, I would go. And so I tried to raise some colts from her, and, and, and while they had some of the stuff, they didn't have all of it, so... I moved on from breeding her. I didn't breed her too much when I saw that, you know, they they weren't exactly what I had in mind. And so uh, I'm raising some colts. Just keep looking for something that's, uh, you know, will have the super super genetics in them. And there's so many good bloodlines these days with horses that, you know, with the Frenchman's guy and the Dash to Fame and 
fire, water, flit that all have um, so much potential. Now we're looking for, you know, really a superhero and, or that's what I'm looking for. And, and it comes down, I think, to several things, heart and, and uh, the confirmation and, you know, a little bit of their upbringing. We've learned so much now about how to take care of them and, uh, you know, the feed, um, bringing in something that builds them right from the start into champions with the, with the Purina feeds. And, and so I've learned, enjoyed that and learned about it and, and stuff like that. Yeah, so you mentioned how you stopped breeding her once you realized that they weren't, she wasn't throwing the babies that you had hoped for. I know a lot of people just want to breed that special mare in their life because she's done something great, but where would you draw the line, and I mean clearly you did, uh, for breeding that special horse? What do you think it takes to be able to breed that special mare and um, go from there, and when shouldn't you breed that mare? Yeah, that's, that's a tough one. To me, there's a couple things. I mean, I love heart. And as a rodeo competitor, I mean, heart is a lot of times what ended up bringing us to the winner's circle. So many horses have talent, but they just don't have enough grit to get them there. But um, these days, uh, confirmation for me is so important because, well, first of all, there there is the drug testing issue with with the WPRA and I don't know how far or how long that'll you know play in or how far it'll go in the future but you need to have these suckers where they're pretty much sound and uh, I rode a lot of cripples um, in my career so I, I can smell one a mile away I say but um, I think getting good feet and you know this not only strong bone but you know short cannon bones and low set hawks big hawks and stuff like that and then you know I, I don't like big horses for me I know about 90% of the people out there ride bigger horses these days because of the genetics, what, you know, what they're throwing. But to me, a, a horse that's a little bit lighter on his feet and smaller has more longevity and probably less potential for the, you know, maintenance issues. And so I'm looking for those low maintenance, dirty, tough, athletic horses. And I'm just, I don't need to be raising a whole bunch of them. I don't think the world needs more horses. We've got quite a few now. There's probably 10,000, you know, yearlings for sale, but, um, I'm trying to raise something that is kind of anybody would want. You know, I always kind of, Fred Whitfield was one of my heroes when I was rodeoing. And I remember he he was, you know, real, I guess, uh, what you'd call judgmental as far as if you're kind of acting like a loser or looking like a loser, he'd kind of cut his eyes at you. And and so I always, when he when I rode up beside him, I like Fred to kind of cut his eyes at my horse and say, hey, what's that one? That's a cool looking sucker, you know, and that's, that's the kind of horse I'm raising. If, if Fred Whitfield walked up, he would cut his eyes at it and say, that's a good looking sucker. And if, you know, a cutting champion walked up, they'd like it. And sure enough, if a rope or a barrel racer saw it, they'd like it too. So that my mom used to say, uh, a good horse is a good horse in any fool's hands. And to me these days, I think the same thing. He should just be good and anybody should like him. So that's what I'm raising. Yeah. That's We're trying awesome. to raise <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, that also helps, you know, with resale value. And you, Absolutely. You know, if it's not exactly what you're looking for, at least you can sell it and have the pride behind it that it's a quality horse and it can go into somebody else's hands and hopefully yeah, be successful. And that's the name of the game these days. I, I want something that's user-friendly. I've helped, helped people uh, since I've, you know, slowed down and, you know, I have kids and I don't go as hard anymore and I've, I've enjoyed helping people, but... At some point, I've kind of gotten a little, you know, sick of it is that they're dealing with horses. A lot of these people that uh, 
there's no way God couldn't make them go. You know, they're just not able to hold up. And so for people to pay a lot of money for the talent and then be so disappointed that their body just can't hold up and sometimes their mind, but you know, with the barrel racing genetics these days, their mind is probably bred to do it, but their body is, is so fragile that, um, you know, coupled with the talent and the moves that they're trying to put on it, there's no way they're going to make it go. So that's really discouraged me. And I think that I would, and I do sell a lot of horses to, uh, the, the high school and college and people are wanting to start pro rodeo and stuff, you know, not the trainers. It's the people that are wanting to get into it and want to buy a good horse. And, um, and so I need horses that are user friendly, you know, they're going to be a little more forgiving than difficult. Yeah. So was Pecan a more forgiving horse for you? Like, I mean, you just mentioned forgiving and difficult, but was she, I know that personally I've had some difficult horses make some great horses and I mean it's all kind of in the different hands but was she a difficult or yeah, easy? Well, things have changed a little bit you know difficult used to mean that they bucked and difficult used to mean that they got nervous and you had to ride them down or they had a temper or something but these days you know I wish I had a little bit of that grit and I like grit in a horse but what I don't like these days difficult what I mean is the maintenance as far as like getting so sore, you know, sore hocks, sore stifles, kissing spine. And maybe we didn't know some of that back then, you know, our technologies now where we can, you know, we know how to diagnose, I guess, and stuff. But um, I, I feel like the horse these days are turned into a little bit more wimps. I mean, they got ulcers, they got nerve problems, they got, you know, hop problems or whatever. And back then, you could tune one or ride it a little bit harder, tie it up all day, and shoot, he'd win the next day. And so um, I, I'm first person that hates a difficult horse. I hate ignorant horses that are just leather-headed, you know, hard to deal with. But on the other hand, I mean, these days we're getting them almost so far the other end of the spectrum where you got to take them to a psychiatrist and give them Prozac if you tune them too hard one day, you know. So, they, you know, they don't have enough heart. And so I'd like to find a middle ground where – their you know their body can hold up to what their mind wants to do and and then again they want to do it too and not fight you so yeah barrel horses are a pretty special type of horse especially yes. you know with the breeding and you know yes. just the fine tuning and everything but for everybody else out there that doesn't do barrel racing you know sometimes those difficult horses are the special horses for them and might make an awesome trail riding horse even I mean have a little bit of issues, but still just be one to take up and go trail riding for the weekend, but maybe not go out and win take the barrel the pressure. race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. And it's just like people. Not everybody's a competitor. You know, some people just can't take it. They exactly. can't take the stress. So they like their secure, you know, whatever, their office job or whatever they got that's just kind of uh, routine-like and nice life. And so I understand that too. Yeah, for sure. So... I think that kind of wraps up, I suppose, the story of Pecan, unless there's other things that you feel like our listeners should know about, because I think they need to know just about yeah. everything about your yeah. special horse. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I can't think of much else except, I guess, you know, one thing looking back, uh, my mom always liked to cross a thoroughbred into a quarter horse, and I know it's been done over the years, and now we're kind of past that where we have specialized the bloodlines, but... I guess looking at pecan, probably one thing that made her great was the good part of that thoroughbred. Uh, however, he wasn't a great thoroughbred sire himself for racehorses. 
the good thing he had. He threw some really strong bone and, and feet into the mix. And I think he threw a lot of desire in there too when we talk about grit. And so, you know, these days we don't think about crossing thoroughbreds with the, uh, with the barrel horses or with the, you know, with quarter horses as much. We've refined our breed, so to speak, if we're quarter horse fans. But um, I do think every once in a while that's something to consider when you, when you have nowhere else to go bring in some different blood and and I'd say that's you know something I think about with pecan what made her great how did it happen you know the greatness from those both sides were different and they lined up to be great so yeah finding that magic potion is rather challenging well Molly thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me about pecan and I know it got a little emotional at times but I know that I really enjoy seeing the raw side and getting to know more about Pecan, a horse that I've admired, and about you, a horsewoman that I've admired. I mean, we talk about the greatest horsemen and women of our time, and Molly is <laughs> sure one of them. So with Thank this you. podcast, I would also like to let you know that we are going to be working on some editorial content with Molly, so keep an eye out. She is a bit guru, <laughs> so we're going to do some bit things and a few other all racing things that can also cross over into just everyday riding. So stay tuned for that. And thank you, Molly. And thank you guys for listening. Right. Thank you. we have wrapped up that interview it is time for our time to saddle up segment which like you have heard previously in our past episodes it's something in the horse industry a horse product a western product that nicole and myself that we are enjoying right now mine is actually i've been doing a lot of online shopping lately because what else are you supposed to do when you are quarantined at home um, and I actually see our ranch wear. We featured them in the magazine. You've seen their shirts on some of the professionals we work with who are sponsored by them. They have some of the coolest designs out there. And I love their new pro roping and ride in red shirt. It has bronc riders and ropers on it. And it's just, it's very uh, classic Western looking and I love it. And I think it'll look really cool out in the show pen whenever we all get the okay to finally start showing again. So that's mine. CR ranch wear shirt. They're so comfortable. They, uh, you know, even in the summer, I'm not sweating, you know, terribly and they're just all the, all the fabric and the patterns are awesome. So that's mine. Yeah. And okay. So my time to settle up, I have to kind of piggyback on yours because, of course, I also love CR Ranchwear, and they have a summer shirt, actually. Nicole, do you remember what that's called? Anyhow, I own one, and it is so comfortable, and like Nicole said, with their regular shirts, you don't sweat a lot. So with these shirts, let's talk about a summer shirt. It is awesome, and with the summer season coming up, you want to get your hands on one of these, I promise. Yeah, I think they're actually called the Sun Smart shirts. So, um, oh, yeah, they they help protect you from like UV rays, and they help, uh, you know, the fabric is is meant to evaporate your sweat and leave you cool and dry, and and all of that fun stuff that comes with summer. But yeah, I have to say that that is probably my time to saddle up for this week. Awesome. So we hope you guys enjoyed this segment, and hope you guys enjoyed this interview. Like we said.
Thank you guys for tuning into the Ride Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and please be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Horse and Rider Magazine on social media and find us at horseandrider.com. If you guys have any questions or comments, please be sure to hit us up at horseandrider at aimmedia.com. We want to hear from you guys. And if you like what you're listening to, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. How many stars, Michaela? Five stars, please.